Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 132 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Uh, Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is how and where family caregivers find the information they need. Now, from family caregivers on Family Caregivers Unite, I've heard so many say that their very first need is to know that they're not alone and that their second need is for information that helps them understand what lies ahead for their family member, information that helps them find out what they, as family caregivers, will need to do, information that helps them and the family cope with the stresses of family caregiving and maintain their own health, and information that covers a wide range of topics, not just medical, but also legal, financial, social, and spiritual. To talk about how and where family caregivers find this kind of information, our guests are Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. Now, Wendy is currently Senior Fellow, Faculty of Information, University of Toronto, where she teaches courses in advocacy and issue management. She's following a career in librarianship and public policy advocacy. She's a graduate of Queen's University and the University of Toronto. She's served on national bodies such as the National Broadband Task Force, the Blue Ribbon Panel on Smart Communities, and the the board of the Media Awareness Network. She's a former president of the Canadian Library Association, and her consulting work focuses on policy and planning issues in libraries. Her awards include the Queen Elizabeth II Golden Jubilee Medal for Community Service and the Canadian Library Association's Outstanding Service to Librarianship Award. Carolyn is a musician, composer, artist, community volunteer and family caregiver. She's a graduate of the New Brunswick Teachers College and the University of New Brunswick. She retired from elementary school teaching several years ago after a career she began in her teens. She continues to serve her church and wider community in volunteer roles, in addition to being a faithful caregiver to her 95-year-old parents and in assisting her husband with his continuing recuperation following a serious accident. She is organist and music director at All Saints Anglican Church in St. John, New Brunswick. She also 
is volunteer leader of a residence choir at her parents' retirement community, where she says her father is one of her most enthusiastic choristers. Now, in saying when, welcome to Wendy and Carol, and I just want to share something with our listeners, that Wendy and Carol and our sisters. So this episode is uniting a family caregiver and an information specialist all in the same family. So welcome, Wendy and Carolyn. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start with Wendy, the information specialist. Please tell us more about your career as it relates to providing information to people who are not specialists in a particular field of knowledge. Wendy? Well, I've spent my life in information work since the 60s, and most of that time I have been working in meeting the information needs of people who are not uh, specialists in in uh, any particular field. A couple of jobs particularly come to mind uh, where I did this. Uh, in the 1980s, I worked at the Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety, where information, of course, was our whole focus. And our specialty there was summarizing scientific and technical information uh, in understandable ways so that people could use it in the workplace to solve problems or even better to prevent problems. So that information had to be, first of all, accurate, but it also had to be understandable and it had to be convenient to get. And uh, we were, of course, blazing a new path to be doing this uh, before the Internet was uh, was available to us. So, so we did it with a network of online connections and, uh, and, and also in person. I also spent several years managing public libraries, which are, of course, the People's University and, and the source of practical information for people of all ages and stages in life. And even if their issue might be a complex one, they wanted practical how-to information from a trusted organization, and they would turn to their public library. Uh, a lot of people, of course, don't know that they can get specialized information through their public libraries, including their public library websites, but uh, public libraries do this, and uh, they probably need to step up their outreach so that more people are aware of that. Right. Let's Maybe this program will help that. Now, Carolyn, please tell Tell us more about your career and also about your experience with family caregiving. Well, I, uh, I'm the oldest in our family, and uh, I have been in the caregiving business for a long time, it seems. Um, I actually can remember when I entered this particular vocation. I had an experience when I was 12. Uh, our youngest sister passed away quite suddenly, and the day after the funeral happened to be Christmas Day. And uh, so after the funeral was over, I took uh, my other two sisters, who are quite a bit younger than I am, but I took them out and we cut a Christmas tree and we brought it home and decorated it. And and uh, the next day there was no Christmas dinner, but I made a little fuss over, over their gifts. I was trying to, uh, I, I don't even, I didn't have an insight into why I was doing this, but I think I was trying to bring some kind of normality into the whole horrible situation. Uh, five years later, I uh, chose the teaching profession, and in a career that uh, spanned a 
spanned 40 years, I actually went from the beginning of my career to mostly teaching to at the end of my career doing mostly caregiving, really. Uh, my husband and I, we raised three children, and we also raised our nephew as well. Uh, just to give you an idea of my present situation, I'm the sister who lives nearest our parents. Uh, as uh, has been mentioned, they're both 95, and they're about a half an hour away from me. Before that, I was driving a couple of hours uh, at least once a week, a couple of hours up and a couple of hours back to do for them in their own home. Uh, for a year and a half, I was also a caregiver for my uh, mother's youngest sister. And then last September, my husband, who was 76 at the time, fell off our porch roof and broke his neck, his back, his shoulder, and his foot. He's, he's still recovering, and during that, in March, he had a seizure and a slight stroke. So to sum up, I would say that I have taken the caregiving role that life has given me, but it's become more time-consuming and demanding in recent years, not to mention more complex. And I think I'm a typical caregiver in that my own health issues are becoming increasingly vexing. Karen, thank you for that moving story. We'll go back to some of those later on, to some of those things you're talking about. Um, Wendy, to you, what is the picture you have as an information specialist of the information currently available to family caregivers via the internet, or sometimes people call it the World Wide Web? What do you think? Uh, certainly, it's a, it's a wonderful blessing, but a mixed one. Uh, on the one hand, we have this ocean of information, but for any particular caregiver, finding what is needed right now is, is like trying to pull a glass of water out of Niagara Falls. I mean, there's just a huge volume of information out there, but uh, there's, there's no standard of quality in addition to that problem of, of completely unmanageable volume. And the other, I think, serious challenge is that the the really good content, often the best content, is hidden behind a paywall. And it, it, you either have to pay or you have to be a member of a library that is paid for it. Now, again, a lot of people, as I mentioned, aren't aware of, of what they can get online by using their free public library card. Um, but uh, that information side of the Internet is is both wonderful and mixed. But the other big benefit of the Internet, and we're seeing this more and more, of course, is how significant a platform it is for people to exchange information and views with one another and, you know, to share ideas, to share solutions, and to get the benefit of the information and advice of people who are, quote, just like me. Right. Uh, now, Wendy, I'm going to stop you there because of the, what I call the tyranny of time. Um, but we will come back to these points you're making because they're really crucially important. So uh, in the short time that remains, I want to go back to Carolyn, please, and just highlight for us the information needs you personally have experienced in your long career as a family caregiver. 
Well, the first thing I had to do was realize that I did have information needs and uh, get over the idea that my coping skills, which grew to be considerable, and uh, my love, which I thought was uh, infinite, uh, weren't going to be enough. So lesson number one for me, Dr. Atherley, was don't assume, and I can actually remember where that journey began, too. I happened to hear a radio program about DNRs. Now, that's the do not resuscitate order that uh, you either sign or don't sign for your loved ones when they're in uh, an extremely uh, life-threatening situation. So on this program, uh, a nurse was saying about she was discussing DNRs with her parents, and uh, they just happened to be the same age as ours, and uh, she just assumed that because of their age and they lived good and fulfilling lives that that they would want the do not resuscitate order and was very surprised to find they didn't. And I remember thinking, well, my parents wouldn't want to be revived, and when it, I talked it over with them, they certainly did. So uh, don't assume. Um, I was telling my husband about all this, and we kind of chuckled a bit and thought, wow, what spirit. But, you know, we never thought to ask each other what our decision would be. And after um, Duke's fall and his uh, lengthy surgery, he developed some really worrisome complications. And the doctor called me in and his surgeon called me in, and I had to decide right on the spot about the DNR. And it was the most difficult and heart-wrenching thing that that I faced those first few days after his accident. So that was the tip of the iceberg. I I sort of thought, there's more I have to know. So lesson two was, I need information. Carolyn, we'll get back to that mm. because it is we're now into the break. Uh, so it is that time. This is where we pay the rent. Oh, this, is Dr. <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Allen, my guests are Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. Our topic is how and where family caregivers find the information they need. So let's talk about sources of types of information needed by family caregivers. Now, first of all, Wendy, 
Where can family caregivers find the medical information that relates to the health conditions and challenges in their family members that they're caring for? Wendy? Um, surprisingly, we don't know a lot about the way family caregivers actually approach information online. Um, we do know, however, that, that the scientific and technical information that a health professional writes and reads is quite different from the kind of information that caregivers need in, in terms of the brevity and, uh, and practical focus. It's certainly obvious that the Internet is a really popular source with caregivers. Um, there were, I was looking at a study published a couple of years ago about information seeking at a website for caregivers uh, to elderly parents. And half the users on that site were actually looking for health information. They were... They tended to be looking for help interpreting symptoms and interpreting behavior because, of course, they're the first people to see changes in behavior, and they're trying to get some idea of what to expect. Um, a, a lot of types of caregivers, uh, for example, caregivers to adults with intellectual disabilities, find that there is far less out there for for them, and that's uh, that's. That's really unfortunate. Um, middle-aged women um, are big seekers of information on the Internet, but they, they tend to seek information more often and more thoroughly if they have some level of confidence. So we know that. We know that, that resources have to be easy to use to be able to get that confidence level up. Um, however, they... People are concerned about the, the quality of the information they get on the Internet. Now, that's, that's my professional self-talking. My personal network of friends and family seem to have to get by much more often than I would like on a wing and a prayer. They are dependent on physicians who don't seem to have much time to talk, and they often don't know what's available to them locally. And that can be a very difficult kind of information to find on the internet and elsewhere. I'm going to come back to those points because they're extremely important because they relate to a lot of a lot of things that I'm hearing. Now let's go to Carolyn and ask you where you looked for the medical information you needed. You've already talked to told us about the do not, do not resuscitate and the way that information came to you and the way you approached that. But let's ask you about the wider questions of medical information. Uh, where did you look and what did you find? Well, it, it, I sort of flew by the seat of my pants. No pre-planning really sort of came up on a need-to-know basis. Uh, we have a sister who's a nurse and, of course, she was our primary source of medical information for years, but, and then I would, I would access the Internet a bit, for example, if I wanted to know about geriatric depression, for instance. Our, our parents did have a family doctor, and uh, uh, I began to take a notebook to their, their uh, several doctor's appointments, and actually my own notebook became a source of information for me because, of course, you think you're going to remember everything, and you don't remember much. Uh, my own family doctor was helpful. Uh, fellow caregivers sometimes, I really want to express 
uh, my appreciation for our Canadian health care system. After my husband's accident, we needed a number of specialists, and we actually were able to access them quite readily through the hospital. Ten months later, he's still getting physiotherapy through the hospital. Uh, at this time, because of his age and the seriousness of his neck break in particular, my stress level began to go up significantly. And uh, I also felt guilty for being able to do less for my parents. And so it was there that I encountered Lesson 3, I Can't Do Everything Myself, which was a, a difficult realization for me. Uh, my, my father had had a hospital stay previous to all this. And on his discharge, the hospital social worker spent some time with us and outlined several options we might want to look at. And I really think I might not follow up on any of them, but Dad took a real interest in his own care. So I transferred everything to my trusty notebook, and he and I went over every option. And uh, I started making phone calls, uh, the Canadian Red Cross for equipment like a shower seat, uh, Victorian Order of Nurses for foot care, and... Veterans Affairs Canada has been a wonderful source of information and support. We found Dad was eligible for benefits we were completely unaware of, and they put us in contact with the CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. He was able to get a reader uh, to help his failing eyesight. The vet saw that he got hearing aids, uh, a walker, and his lift chair, which he really has found, I think, to be the thing that has helped him the most. So it's been a wide variety, but uh, one thing kind of led to another. Right. Again, more topics for us to discuss later on, but uh, that's a very, I think, I can put it to you this way, Carolyn, I think your story is in a very good way typical of what a lot of family caregivers go through. That is searching widely um, for the things they need to know from many, from many sources. Yeah. Now, that brings me back to Wendy. Um, let's talk about the non-medical information that relates to health conditions. And here I'm talking probably about legal, social, and maybe um, things like spiritual information that family caregivers need. Where do they find that chiefly, Wendy, please? Uh, well, they, there, there's a huge information landscape there and uh, many topics and, and many sources. And, you know, for, for many caregivers, the Internet is uh, a logical and available resource. The same study I was mentioning a, a moment ago um, mentioned as well caregivers of, the elder, of elderly parents and and their non-medical information needs, and just the kinds of things that you were mentioning, um, but also housing and legal and insurance and financial issues all uh, loomed large in the information needs of those caregivers. So uh, those are really complex information needs as well. And that same study that I'm talking about also showed just how many of those caregivers were looking for communication about those issues with other caregivers online and looking for support from other people. Uh, one of the biggest pieces, and I think one that's much less well covered out there uh, in the, in, on the Internet, is local services and supports that are available to caregivers and the people that they are taking care of. Because very few communities bring that information together well. 
And once again, caregivers seem to be thrown back on personal networks. Um, The local branches of associations like the Cancer Society, for example, can be really helpful with both information and referrals and a certain amount of moral support as well. But uh, their availability is is uneven. I think uh, I think rural residents are particularly challenged for this. But uh, once again, I mentioned the public library earlier. Uh, it can be, uh, I think, a much more helpful resource than than many people um, may be aware of. There's a, a public library system in Wisconsin that that's pub- that's partnered with its local medical school library to put together a comprehensive kit for for caregivers and their first resource of course is to train their library staff in these right. questions so that they can they can field them better and, and 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 get to understand those needs better as well interesting now i'm going to carolyn um because i want to know a little more please carolyn about the way in which you looked for the non-medical information that you needed. Now, you've already mentioned some of these, but let's just focus on the kind of things that Wendy was listening, listing just now. Uh, where, did, where did you look and how did you fare when you were seeking that kind of information? Carolyn? I think I uh, was really fortunate. I had a good uh, personal network really, that helped me a lot. Uh, Dad's lawyer, for instance, drew up the power of attorney and the power of care. We needed a separate power of attorney from the bank. We did that. Uh, Dad made his funeral arrangements for him and Mom, and uh, the representative came to the house, and within an hour, everything was decided, paid for. Uh, the representative was a real fount of information about that kind of thing. He really knew his stuff. Uh, as more and more help as mom and dad began to require more and more help, we had to look at the question of their living arrangements. They had already moved out of their house to a condo, and it was a great move for them. They were happy, but they were concerned about the drive for me, especially in the long winters we have in this country. And then, uh, of course, my own health and mobility became uh, a problem. So, again, my my uh, personal network kicked in. I heard through a friend about a new facility being built near where I'm living now, and I actually had a personal contact with the company. He was in charge of uh, leasing the units, and he was wonder a wonderful help. And uh, at first we weren't sure they could afford it, but we went over their finances seven ways for Sunday, and they could. And the decision to move took about a half an hour, and in the next half an hour my mother decided what she was going to take and what she was going to take. Uh, what she was yes. going to leave, rather. And a few, months late, a few months later they were in their brand new apartment. My husband drove down with the movers, and when I arrived with mom and dad, that had been sort of set up, even the rug on the floor and the bed and all this kind of thing. So they are living very happily now, although they still have a number of, of needs. But the facility itself is a, good, is a great source of help in, uh, in that kind of thing. The resources for self-care were a little more problematic for me. Uh, it was quite a while before I actually realized that uh, I uh, needed uh, to, uh, to uh, do some some work on myself. So lesson four was get yourself a team. And right. I do have a team. I have a, I have a tried my husband, my children, my sister Wendy, as you can hear. I have a couple of friends 
from 50 years, my clergyman, I'm so glad you spoke about, about the spiritual. I am a woman of faith, and, and uh, my clergyman has been a wonderful help, and he put me in touch with a therapist who I right. see once a month. <laughs> Carolyn, once again, we've got the time problem, and I, hate, I don't like stopping you, but That's all right. uh, we will get back to some of these things. So it is the short break time. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guests are Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety channel. Stay tuned. We're definitely coming back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Katherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for an open, informative, and fun discussion on health, wellness, and a whole lot more? If so, you'll need to tune in to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie, featuring award-winning TV host Forbes Riley and multimedia producer, author, and CEO Charlie Fusco. Our show is real, honest, opinionated, and full of laughs. Our well-known guests of authors, experts, and celebrities will give you the inside scoop on health, fitness, and personal success. The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. Our topic is how and where family caregivers find the information they need. So now let's talk about the ways in which the information needs of family caregivers can be met. And starting again with Wendy. Now, as you know, healthcare relies on things called clinical practice guidelines. What these are is the kind of list of things that physicians and nurses should consider, do, provide as treatment. And that list a bit more than a list, but let's call it a list, basically has been drawn up by experts in the field and agreed, and it's a kind of consensus of the best way to go. Now, they really don't, such things really don't exist in for family caregiving. So I'm going to ask you what will sound like a bit of a leading question, but what do you think about developing family care guidelines 
uh, for family caregivers. What do you think, Wendy? I think that these would be tremendously useful. I'm not a particularly an expert in clinical practice guidelines, but although I've, I've read about them and I, I understand their function, and, of course, uh, the related best practice guidelines that you find in, in nursing. And, of course, there are various levels of evidence and different views regarding what constitutes good evidence um, and so on. But th- those, are, those are, are technical issues. In principle, I, I believe that developing um, more of these kinds of guidelines for family caregivers would be a, a, a truly a great leap forward. We have this growing, these growing numbers of caregivers in society, and when you, when you consider how, how devoted they are, how, how, uh, how time-stressed they are, and how complex their information needs are, uh, these clinical practice guidelines would have the benefit, I think, for them of distilling a lot of complex information. It, it would help them cope in an informed way. Uh, I, I think it would help them inform their uh, medical resource people uh, as well about changes and, and so on. And I think that, that it, it would also give them some reassurance that, I mean, in the worst case, they weren't following the advice of crackpots. You know, they, they weren't just sort of well-meaning, but, but essentially dangerously uninformed. I also think that, that uh, developing uh, clinical practice guidelines for family caregiving could also, just as a byproduct, attract a lot more research attention to now, I'm going, the issues I'm going, that caregivers face. Wendy, again, I'm going to stop you only because of time, but that's something also that we might want to touch on a little bit later on, this whole question of boosting research. Now, to go to Carolyn, what do you think of the idea of developing guidelines specifically for family caregivers, whether that's whether you're answering generally or in light of your own experience? What do you think? Well, I think that... In general, I'm pretty well taken care of, but I would appreciate on many levels uh, having these guidelines established, and I really think it's inevitable. Sheer force of numbers uh, is just going to dictate uh, what happens. Uh, in my own province, there are some astonishing statistics. I just wrote a couple of them. For instance, 50% of children born this year will live to be a 100 Every decade, life expectancy increases by a year. Uh, life expectancy is difficult to predict, we know, but if we use factors of uh, education, income, and the nature of one's work, the average life expectancy of a female teacher beginning her career this year is 93. So, wow. uh, yes, in addition, this aging population is going to be looked after by the next generation who are also aging. Right now in New Brunswick, a quarter of the hospital beds in the whole province are being occupied by seniors, and they're waiting for nursing home placements which don't even exist at the present. And if this continues, by the 2020s, all the hospital beds in our province will be occupied by seniors. It's, it's just like a snowball gathering 
volume. Emergency patients can't be given beds. Emergency wait times increase. Uh, we have a, we have a, certainly have a scarcity of medical personnel specifically trained in geriatrics. Um, in late years, the healthcare system has been putting a great deal of emphasis on keeping seniors and other special needs citizens in their own homes. It's cheaper, for one thing, vastly cheaper than hospital care. But what has been ignored is that the family caregivers are the ones who are making this happen. And the elephant in the room is who's going to pay for it? Uh, A question that many caregivers will ask regarding this whole subject of guidelines is, how is this going to help me? Many caregivers I know are where I am sometimes, just coping, doing my best, exhausted, and we don't think we can make time for sort of one more thing to think about. That becomes... Carolyn, I know I'm interrupting you again, because I'm sorry about that, but Carolyn, that becomes a very important kind of directive to the people who are thinking about guidelines, uh, about what they should take into account when they're writing them, designing them, Mm. and providing them. Now, that takes me to to my next question for, in effect, both of you, but starting with Wendy. What standards would you wish to see applied to information that family caregivers rely on? What are the standards? Well, just emerging from from Carolyn's description of her situation and the, this growing phenomenon of the aging society, the the standards need to need to take into consideration the extremely small amount of time that caregivers have. So they have to be. Direct. They have to be understandable by adult lay people who who don't have any prior education in healthcare, but who take their responsibility seriously. Uh, they they obviously need to be authoritative. They need to come from an authoritative source, and they need to reveal the evidence on which they are relying. They need to 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 give due regard for the for the wide variety of of uh, issues that caregivers face and they they need to be kept up to date and they there needs to be evidence that they reflect the latest thought and they need to be easily accessible in a variety of modes i mean these the the internet is one mode they need to be accessible by phone they need to be accessible in print they need to be accessible in different languages and i would also hold that uh, that they also need to be free that that's an important part of the standards that if we throw up ad- administrative or acquisition barriers to the information we are we are going to create an, an additional bottleneck which is the last thing that these caregivers and the people that they are taking care of uh, need. Right. Carolyn, I'm going to use the word precautions here. What precautions would you wish to see applied to information that family caregivers rely on? And what I have in mind is what you were describing a few minutes ago, which is this: the aging population and the aging population being cared for increasingly by a population which itself is aging, and which you'd, you were polite enough not to mention, the fact that the healthcare system is starting to be 
a very expensive system. It's not that it's, there's anything the matter with it. It's simply that um, these population pressures cause big pressures on money. Mm. So that brings us to the question of, well, okay, information is going to be provided to this community that's looking after itself more and more, but what are the precautions that you would wish to see applied to that information? Well, uh, uh, we would take it for granted then now that these uh, standard practice guidelines have, clinical practice guidelines have been established. However, I think it's still, uh, the situation is still, as they say, fraught with difficulties. Any information that can be formally accessed as opposed to sharing information, here's individuals, here's something that might work for your old auntie, um, has to be by its nature generalized and and it tends to go to the one-size-fits-all model and information providers have to realize that one size does not fit all. If I personally accessed an information source that claimed to have all the answers, I wouldn't use it. Um, caregiving for dummies would probably want me as a client, but I probably wouldn't access that. There are no instant answers, and we family caregivers need to accept that no one human resource has all the answers. Um, we right. family caregivers, um, our work is so diversified and so individual, and uh, even if we're coping well or not so well, because when one family caregiver burns out, usually another one steps in, it seems to me that any information we need has to be first reliable and very closely followed by helpful. And we're probably better at judging helpfulness than reliability. But we can't believe everything someone tells us. This information has to be supplied by people who know and whom we trust to know, almost like a, like a task force would, and brainstorm all the good ideas and all the bad ideas and, and, uh, and make a report, pretty much. Right. We have to... We have to discern what's just not what's just not wishful thinking. Um, someone has said a thing is what it is and not something else. We have to discern what is uh, real and not real for our needs. And of course, that takes time, and that's what family caregivers have the least of, unfortunately. That's exactly the point. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Now, talking of time, <laughs> we're into the short break again. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on Fitness RX Radio. If you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically, this is the show for you. We'll look at competitions from the inside out, bring you fitness tips, nutrition to keep you on top of your game, and so much more. We want to hear from you, too, and we'll take your questions by phone or email. Tune in to Fitness RX Radio, airing every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Look and feel your best. 
you've got your family and you need to keep talking and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing agoraphobic? I don't know if it's a panic attack or whatever it is. It's happening very frequently. I don't have to be in any place where there's no air. It can happen even on the road. People get over things. You can't look back. You've got to look forward and learn something from your past. Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the Psychologist Chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Wendy Newman and Carolyn Murray. Our topic is how and where family caregivers find the information they need. So now I'm going to ask you both about things you would like to see done to advance what I'm going to call information support for family caregivers. Now, starting with you, Wendy, who do you think should have the job of helping family caregivers get the information they need? Who should be responsible for starting that job and building the organization that goes with it? And why do you think this way? Big question, but you've been there. You've seen an organization or more than one do this. How do you think it should be done for family caregivers? Well, uh, my answer is I, I think as much a, a, of a hope as, as it is a, a technical reflection. And, uh, you know, this needs to start somewhere in a consolidated way, um, looking at the area of clinical practice guidelines and, and, and just fanning out from there. Uh, I would love to see one of the states or one of the provinces take this on and uh, they would need to, to, to do it perhaps in, in collaboration with uh, academia. They could work with a university that's, that's heavily oriented to outreach and practical applications. I think that, that any state or any province that uh, should, should see this as a really sound strategic investment because of just the kinds of numbers, just the kind of statistics we're talking about, and, and also the importance of this work, not just to the healthcare system, but to our, our well-being as a society. But I think that, that notwithstanding the fact that one jurisdiction could, could, could take this on, that it really needs to be a partnership that grows, and uh, that's the way to make it sustainable. That's the way to ensure that information can be um, available in a variety of languages, for example. Sure. Um, the challenge, of course, for, uh, for, for this is, is to keep that organizational system that takes this on, to, to keep it nimble enough from becoming too institutionally bogged down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, the reason I think 
that way is that I've experienced the power of that kind of collaboration. We did at, at the Canadian Center for Occupational Health and Safety. That's the way we built that resource. And yep. it's just extraordinarily effective. Right. Now, again, timing is short, so I'm going straight now to Carolyn. Who do you think should have the job of helping family caregivers in getting the information need? Where should that job be located? What do you think? Our clergyman said yesterday at church, life is not simple. Life is complex. But I yeah. think, I agree with that, but I think the answer to this is simple. I think the job of getting information to and for family caregivers should be part of our health system. As Wendy said, that would be a sound strategic investment. I believe that civilized societies are judged by how they look after their weakest members. And the matter of family caregiving is just such a case. Uh, Our society is struggling to pay its bills with a declining workforce. The care of our weakest citizens is a real problem. But I've been told um, very recently by someone in government that uh, the government is aware, our, our, our provincial government is aware, that this is the greatest issue facing health care in our province, and they would like to address it. Uh, so the first step is very tiny. The government is aware, as far as I know, that there's a problem. I think that the next step is much more difficult. Hard questions need to be asked. Um, how much time, for instance, does a typical medical student spend on the subject of geriatrics? Uh, there are no easy answers, and as Wendy has alluded to, it's, it's also been my experience that governments can be hampered just by the fact that they're political. They tend to hold the line on large issues like this one for their term of office and leave solutions to their successors. Uh, it, it makes a good platform, but you do have to do something about it eventually. This, as we family caregivers well know, is a recipe uh, for disaster. It scares me. And uh, the elephant in the room is uh, starting to move around and might do something quite unpleasant. <laughs> yes, I like that. A revolution. <laughs> now, something a little different. And it's a question to both of you, but starting with Wendy. What's your message to family caregivers concerned about getting information to help them care for their family mem- members? What's your message? Mm. Uh, I, I have more than one message, but I, uh, I, I think first that, that if they haven't done so, that it would be a good idea for them to make friends with their local public librarian. They would find there uh, perhaps a portal, an information portal, to high-quality information uh, of, of at least of some assured quality that they may not be aware of. Um, they also would find in the in their public library a resource for for self care and it's uh, it's free it's the best free therapy you can find uh, i'd also say to them to to take real care about what they find on the internet because it is a mixed bag. They can get help from librarians they can get help from health care professionals about just making those judgments, but they need to ask themselves, who put this here on the Internet and why? And, and that'll, that'll just help them avoid worst-case um, right. consequences. And I guess the last thing is, if, 
if uh, and and fully recognizing how little time and energy there is left over, that they advocate to their legislators and others for better services and for and, and, and for solutions for those clinical practice guidelines that we've been talking about. Right. Uh, because they are going to be the recipient of caregiving someday, and, and, and they're going to want the system to be better than it is now. Exactly right. Um, Carolyn, same question. What's your message to family caregivers who are concerned about getting information to help them care for their family members? Carolyn? Oh, my. I would like to take every single person that's listening to this show and just say to them, well done, you. I, I just I think it's sacred work that we're doing, and we do have our ups and downs. But I guess uh, that, that uh, may or may not help a hug and a, an encouragement. But I would like to say we have to accept, I think, that information for family caregivers is not going to find us. We have to find it. And I would say to my fellow family caregivers, don't give up. There are resources out there, and there will be more. If one resource doesn't work for you, try another one. This radio show is a new resource for me. Uh, find some helpful material, as Wendy has said, at your public library or from seniors associations, and read a little bit every day or even every few days. I'm, I'm a great one for the journey of a 1,000 miles uh, with small steps. I, I'm a great believer in small steps. You eventually arrive somewhere. Do not do what I do, what I did, and play a lone hand. You need to ask for help. If someone asks what they can do to help, don't say, thank you very much, I'll call you if I need anything. They may be able to help with accessing information. Uh, if they seem disinclined or don't follow through, don't ask them again. It doesn't make them bad people. It's just not their particular skill set, as far as I can see. And finally, and I can't stress this enough, and I came to this with so much difficulty. Wendy knows, get some information on taking care of yourself. Be particularly careful where this information comes from. There's a lot of self-indulgence out there masquerading as self-care. I know now that a few simple self-care activities will help avoid burnout and give a sense of accomplishment in the sacred work we do. Information is what we're talking about, is more than knowledge. Information is strength. We're not alone. Someone has information that can help us. Brilliant. Now, I'm just going to very quickly summarize back to you. Um, one of the things that you've both raised, and in fact both, both are in, many, in various ways involved with, is, is this, that so many family caregivers travel the hard road of family caregiving, and they get to a certain point, and it's as if they stop, look over their shoulders, see somebody else just starting out on the road, and then reach a hand back to help them. And so in that sense, our pressing for, because I'm with you, uh, you know, the things we've been talking about, the, the guidelines, um, the connections between people, the sense of people getting together and supporting themselves, all those are ways of ourselves as a community helping our community members. Government's important, the healthcare system's important, but I think so also is this community mobilization. So I, I'm not quite sure whether we're going to call it the Carolyn and Wendy movement, but if we don't, <laughs> we should. 
<laughs> so I wanted to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. And second, thank you to Wendy and to Carolyn for talking with us in the open way you have, sharing with us real experience, real insights, and real advice. And so in whatever work you're doing, both of you, every success, and I hope that we can start between us all some kind of movement in the direction that we all want. Um, now, in our next episode of Family Caregivers Unite, we'll talk about home automation and cybercrime. So please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.